0: What is up guys? It is Quinn here back with another video and today I'm going to be talking about five players that I think you guys should be avoiding for fantasy football. So these are players I just think are not good values. Remember when I'm talking about these players, you know, semi negatively, it is because I hate the ADP. I don't hate the player. Obviously, I want every player to succeed, do the best possible But just in terms of fantasy football, these are guys that I just think are not going to pay off at their current prices. I'm going to do two of these videos. So for this one, it's going to be the running back and tight end position. And then tomorrow, it'll be the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. So five players, I do not like at price. Let's just jump right into it. We're going to be starting it off here with Nick Chubb. I know a lot of people are big Nick Chubb fans. Nick Chubb may have the most cult-like fantasy football following. There are people who will ride or die with Nick Chubb. They will take him first round. They will take him early second round. But just hear me out here. Right now, Nick Chubb is being drafted as the RB12. Basically, you can find him going anywhere from like early second round to early third round. It's gonna be rare that you see him fall into the mid third. And I think it's equally as rare that you'll see him go in the first round. But depending on platform, anywhere in the second to early third round, that is where Nick Chubb is going. Even in that range, I still think early third round is still too early for Nick Chubb. Let's just take a look at his last three seasons. So in 2019, he was the running back 11 in points per game, averaging 16 points per game. 2020, he was the RB9. This was his best career season, where he averaged 17.3 PPR points per game. And then last season, 2021, the RB12, averaging 15.4 points per game you may look at that and be like, he's being drafted as the RB12. He's never finished lower than the RB12. This is a solid pick. The thing here for Nick Chubb is when we're just digging deeper, we're looking at the offenses he was on, his usage, the bronze points per game, those three seasons were 22nd, 13th, and 20th. So overall, you're looking at like an average to maybe slightly below average offense. That's not the same offense he's going to have this year. This is going to be a Jacoby Brissett-led roster for at least 11 games this season. We know Deshaun Watson is out for that 11-game suspension. This is not going to be a good offense this season. Another thing that we have to point out here with Nick Chubb, he has those consistent finishes, you know, RB9, RB11, RB12, but the ceiling is severely, severely lacking here. He's averaged 2.2 targets per game over the last three seasons. These are obviously like his three breakout seasons when he's operating as the number one. Only 2.2 targets per game. That is not gonna give you, you know, 20 point per game upside at the running back position. And then when we're looking at the last two seasons, he has averaged 15.8 rush attempts per game and 16.3. So limited receiving work. He doesn't even look like he's gonna be one of these guys who's given you 19, 20 carries per game. He's not gonna have that Derrick Henry workload you're also looking at the competition. Kareem Hunt is still on this roster. He has not been cut or traded as of this point. I think we have to expect both these guys are going to be in the room together. We know Kareem Hunt is a very talented running back. And when I'm saying all this, like I don't love him for fantasy. From a real life perspective, like Nick Chubb is arguably arguably the best running back in the NFL. Like I'm sure some people would say that. As a pure runner, he's fantastic. I think a lot of people think he's a locked-in top five real-life running back, but this is fantasy football, and those two things do not always connect. I think when people are drafting Nick Chubb, they have this idea that he is a super safe player, he's got a super high floor, and they may be okay with him having a low ceiling. The problem I have with that strategy is I just don't really think you can connect safety to the running back position, right? Wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, I think those positions can be safe. The issue with running backs is the injury risk is just so much higher than wide receiver, quarterback, and tight end. So yeah, a player may be consistent, but they're not locked in to consistently be on the field. Even a guy like Nick Chubb, it's not like he has the safety where he's indestructible. He wasn't like a Derrick Henry before last season. He's missed seven games over the last two seasons. So I just feel like this idea of safety at the running back position... I kind of just feel like it's an illusion it can be taken away at any time when you're looking at these other running backs who are going in the range of a guy like nick chubb you've got like deandre swift saquon barkley aaron jones leonard fournette these are players who have very 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 high ceilings and i just feel like nick chubb is a guy you're drafting to finish you know middle of the pack maybe slightly above average the other running backs in this range those players can truly be league winners so that is why i'm fading nick chubb this season The next player, this whole situation is kind of a mess here. So full transparency here, you know, I've gone through, I've made some notes, I've picked out my five players, I've, you know, written a few notes for each guy, I'm getting ready to record, and then I'm getting all these reports that uh, the commander's running back Brian Robinson has been shot, I think, multiple times. So first thing, as you guys can probably tell, I was going to be talking about Antonio Gibson here. First thing... I just hope that dude's okay. That's brutal news. Um, I'm still gonna talk about Antonio Gibson just because I don't know how this is gonna play out. They say it's not life threatening. I don't know the return timetable for someone who's been shot, so I'm kind of just gonna continue to talk about Antonio Gibson. But keep in mind, like this could all be switched up depending on what happens with Brian Robinson. So heading into you know today, I'm recording this on Sunday night. I had Antonio Gibson, you know, in a three-way committee. He was being drafted as like RB24, a sixth round pick. I'm guessing in more competitive leagues, he's getting pushed way, way back, ninth, 10th round. But in your more casual leagues, ESPN, Yahoo, you're still gonna see him as like a six, seven round guy, which really is just brutal in terms of the situation he's in right now even if brian robinson isn't in the picture wasn't starting they didn't draft him gibson was still going to be in a committee with jd mckissick he's been a frustrating player to own you know over the last two seasons washington has clearly shown that they do not want him to be the guy like people have just had this take lock on antonio gibson they want him to be the guy so badly you know washington doesn't play him as the workhorse they go out they draft a running back in the third round people still want to buy into antonio gibson even the situation now, where maybe it is just him and J.D. McKissick, I imagine you know, with really unfortunate circumstances, his value is probably going to rise from this, and I think it's going to rise to a point where you know that was too high to begin with. His ADP this entire off season, I think it started off too high, you know, with the uncertainty of Brian Robinson. It should have been lower. It started to fall off as Brian Robinson essentially has taken his job. I don't even think I got to that yet. There were reports coming out, I mean, tonight, that or last night, if you're watching this, that Brian Robinson had taken over as the number one for Antonio Gibson. So Gibson, at the current price he was going at now, was going to be useless. Like, you could be looking at Antonio Gibson as a waiver wire player, you know, if this goes down differently with the Brian Robinson situation. So just looking at Gibson, if his value rises, I still think it's going to rise to a point where you should not be drafting a player with a low ceiling, unlikely going to be a very bad offense. So that's my two cents on Antonio Gibson. Truly, I can't give like a full analysis because I don't even know what's happening with Brian Robinson. I was fading Gibson, you know, coming into tonight. Things have changed, but I'm guessing if this bumps up his value, I'm once again going to be fading him. Now over to the last running back here. We've got Damian Harris. He's being drafted as the running back 27, according to a four for four ADP. And I just want to take a look at his 2021 season, best season of his career you're looking at his finish of an RB20 in PPR points per game. You may be looking at that number, that finish, saying RB27, you know you're getting a little bit of a discount on him. In my opinion, that RB20 is got to be his peak. He scored 15 touchdowns in 15 games. That is not something you can be counting on, especially for a guy who wasn't like the clear-cut workhorse. He wasn't getting Derrick Henry touches. I mean, there were other running backs who were very, very involved in this offense. So, 15 touchdowns in 15 games, that's a number I'm not expecting to be replicated. The upside is just non existent with Damian Harris 28 targets in 25 games. He's almost averaging less than one target per game. The Patriots just refuse to use him as a pass catcher. Whether or not he has the skill to do it, they are not going to be throwing him passes. In my opinion, just straight up, I would take Ramondre. Maybe Damian Harris has more of a role early on, but it looks like Ramondre is going to be getting that receiving work, especially with the injury to Ty Montgomery. And Ramondre could also eat into Damian Harris's carries. Also, if you're just looking at the board, there are going to be much better options available, you know, not in this Patriots backfield. Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, Cordoro Patterson. I would take all those players pretty easily over Damian Harris. So that is why I'm out on Harris this season. Now moving on to the last two players, it's going to be two tight ends, and we're starting it off here with Dallas Goddard. Right now, Goddard is going as the tight end eight. You're going to see on at least a few different platforms, he is going over a round ahead of players like Zach Ertz and Dawson Knox. Just looking at Dallas Goddard's last three seasons, he's put up 9.6 PPR points per game, 10.6, and 11 PPR points per game. So this is solid production. You know probably ranging from fringe tight end one to like mid-tier tight end one numbers i'm just not really seeing this spot where if you want to throw him in a tier with Ertz and dawson knox i think that's fair i think you could even put him ahead of that tier personally i do not but it's the fact that he is going around ahead of this like later round tight end tier that i just do not understand Like, are we supposed to be expecting a jump, at least a significant jump from this 11 points per game with A.J. Brown coming in? He's now been bumped down to the number three target. Personally, I'm just not expecting that. And then even straight up, I'd rather take a swing on a guy like Dawson Knox. 25-year-old tight end was the tight end nine in points per game last year. Yeah, it was touchdown dependent, but maybe he improves, you know, overall. We know tight ends develop a little bit slower. Maybe he gets some more volume. And I mean, you're on the Bills offense touchdowns are going to come your way. And then when we're looking at Zach Ertz, I actually think Dallas Goddard is ranked ahead of him in my rankings. Might be wrong on that, but they're going to be very close together. Ertz averaged 11.6 PPR points per game with the Cardinals last season. That would have been the wide receiver seven uh, right in front of Dallas Goddard. So I'm just you know, saying that you can have Goddard ahead of these guys. I'm just not reaching around ahead of these players to draft Dallas Goddard when I think you can get a player of you know, similar production, around or even more than that, you know, after him. And then the fifth and final player I'm fading, it's going to be Mike Gusecki. Right now it looks like he's going at around tight end 12 in most leagues. So basically like this fringe tight end one range. I don't think it's brutal for him to be going as like a fringe tight end one. I would definitely, you know, put him more in like the 15, 16, 17 range. He was the tight end 15 in points per game last year. Kind of similar situation with Dallas Goddard here. You have an elite weapon coming in. Are we expecting a major jump from last season? Personally, I'm not. This is also not the same Mike Gusecki who's gonna basically be a wide receiver. He's not getting that Kyle Pitts usage anymore. They have transitioned him into more of a traditional tight end. So he doesn't even really carry like that wide receiver upside. You know, the ceiling would be projecting there. So at price, I would easily prefer guys like Pat Fryermuth, Cole Komet, and I will not be spending like a ninth, 10th round pick on a Mike Gusecki. If you have missed out on the first 11 tight ends, you know, Komet's gone, Fire has gone, everyone else is gone. Please do not panic and pick Mike Gusecki at like pick 105, 110. If you're just screwed at the tight end position, just wait and snag two guys like Irv Smith, David Njoku, and roll with those players. If you already punted the position, don't reach on a guy like Gusecki. So those are the five players I'm fading right now at price. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Stay tuned because tomorrow I'll have a similar style video, but wide receivers and quarterbacks. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.